Welcome to Learnings from the Middle, a podcast where a product owner and a software engineer, longtime friends, occasional coworkers, and occasional Halo opponents delve into their experiences and careers in the tech industry. All opinions are our own and not our employers or anyone else's. And I'm one half of the podcast, the software engineer half. I'm Brian. I've been a software engineer for a little over a decade. Uh, John, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, and I'm on the product side of the fence. I've been in product for around five years and just general software delivery management for over 10 years. Right on. And uh, tonight we are talking about, does what you do for work make you a better person? Uh, and it's, person it's already so controversial. It's, it's already tongue in cheek because better is controversial. Person is probably controversial and work might even be controversial. So there's a, there's a lot of... A lot of uh, of problems like baked it. into this premise, yeah. So, so like better idea. person, you get the yeah, idea. Do, yeah. Like, does what you do at work impact how you handle relationships outside of work? Yeah, in positive or negative ways, <laughs> right? Yeah, and and I think most of mine are going to be negative. I think. Oh no! I think, <laughs> I think all but two. We have we have a list of topics, so I won't spoil which one they're going to be. Um, do you want to set any parameters really? or have any disclaimer? Oh yeah, I think so. I kind of just want to jump in. I think it makes sense. <laughs> okay. Oh, all right. I'm so interested. Okay. Uh, any okay. parameters? Um, any caveats you want to, you want to throw out? I don't out? think so. I think let's, it's let's limit we this. Can, we can... Let's limit this to adult life. <laughs> okay. It's okay. like the last, so we, for the podcast, we've been friends for, I don't know, like coming up on 30 some odd years. And, uh, so oh, we're, we're excluding, oh, old. <laughs> we're excluding like 25 and younger. Is that fair? So like for the yeah, last like I mean, it's like when I think six, work seven. I think professional like yeah. does your professional yeah. work life okay has it made you better okay so from age twenty five on does it does it make you better I started or worse? young man I started in the career when I was like twenty one so <laughs> yeah yeah I, I went Anyways, to college first enough. okay so 20, twenty five and older I think that's I think that's it I don't think there's think... any other caveats because I'm interested okay. to see how you take it in a negative way because I generally think. <laughs> generally there's there's negative don't get me wrong but i generally think it's a positive but okay. I, i'm curious now so i want to start with you so we start with uh, the first one okay yeah Does so what you do for work make you a better parent so this one is yes for me i think oh, this one is positive yes after setting up the no okay do you want to do you want to switch yes. it out okay all right no so, so better yes. better parent so so this one i'll say yes i think that what i do for work does genuinely make me a better parent because as a software engineer, you have to accept general bafflement most of the time. And so, okay. so as a software engineer, you get a bug or you get an error, there's an outage, and you look at it and you say, I, ha I don't know, and you have no idea what's going on. And as a parent, you look at a four-year-old and you listen to them cry because they can't have a cookie. <laughs> And you think, why, <laughs> why is this, why is this such a big deal? Or as a, as a parent, you, um, you know, you walk with your daughter into a room and she has to wear her Elsa dress and her Minnie Mouse slippers and her, I don't know, her Mirabelle glasses. And you think, why is this combination so critical? But then at work, you're doing work and on a command line, you need two dashes and then, uh, you know, parameter. And you think, why is this incantation so critical? And and there's just a general sense of like, I'm a little bit not in control, but I have to control certain things. And you just get very comfortable with being a little bit confused and then exerting 
control when you need to to help guide the child or the command line <laughs> to where it needs to be. So I will say, okay. based on that, and pick it apart if you want to, but I, I will say based on that, being a software engineer makes me a better parent. No, I think I think it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, I think for me, a lot of my answers to all the pieces of this we're going to get to are going to be similar. And I just think what I love about my job, and it'll apply here to parents and being a parent in a second, is we just get repetitions. Like we just get so many repetitions. You get repetitions at conflict. You get repetitions at definition. You get repetitions at communication. You get repetitions at you name it. Like you get put in a lot of scenarios that if you're not in, there's other fast paced industries, industries, but if you're not in like a fast paced software industry to where you're doing new projects every month, every three months, maybe every six months, you're starting fresh. We got longer projects, but you get to redo those things over and over and over again. And so I think for being a parent, like you just like you, in my world as product, like you have a plan, you have your idea of where everything's going to go. But even in the product space, it never goes according to your plan. There's always a difficult client. There's a difficult partner. There's an engineer that's just going off the rails and being stubborn. There's I always got to pick on the engineers. So I got to watch that. Um, there's, we can take it. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's too cliche, though. Um, and engineers are really good at what they do. But I just there's, there's so many things that don't go according to plan that I think it does kind of help you prep you for that chaos of a kid. Um, but I also think kids are inquisitive. Like, why? How come? Or at least I'm getting to that age with mine now. Uh, my daughter's four. And a lot of it is discovery and learning and why and how come. And I'm sure we're getting to a phase where we'll just grow more. And so really in, in the product space too, you're, you're asking a lot of questions. Like half your job as product should be asking questions. Is this the right thing? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing it that way? Is this really what the customer is asking for? Is this really their core issue? Or should we be doing something different? And being able to explain and justify why you're doing what you're doing on your project, I think also kind of helps with that parenting. Um, but for the all of I'm just going to come back to the repetition thing. Like yeah. you, you just get experience at those different scenarios. And a lot of those scenarios are very translatable to, to home. The curiosity was something I was going to hit on too, where there's there are four-year-olds and our, our kids happen to be the same age, but four-year-olds are very curious and mm -hmm. about things that don't occur to most humans. No, you don't even think and, about it. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a great, and you have to do that a lot as an engineer too, is listen to the question, ponder the motivation, and then try and answer for the motivation and not just the the surface level like symptom or behavior that somebody is asking yep. you about. And the same applies to kids where if they ask you a question and you kind of shut them down, then they just, they double down on it and they want, they'll keep asking until their curiosity is satisfied. And so yep. the sooner you can think to yourself, have I addressed the curiosity, then the sooner you can communicate with your kid and you can really, really have that moment of, of either education or just bonding or whatever it is. And I think that parallels very nicely with communicating about software where it's a little bit esoteric and the motivation for the curiosity isn't immediately obvious. So you have to stop and think about like, why, why do you want to know that? And what's it going to take for me to actually answer what you're trying to get to? Yeah, to slow down and go, wait a minute you're asking for reporting but there are 20 different definitions of reporting and why you want the reporting and what you're going to use that reporting for are you doing reconciliation? i just had one today are you doing reconciliation are you doing data mining are you doing um transaction tracking are you doing trend monitoring what what are you doing with the data 
Because based on how you answer that, I'm going to give you three very different solutions that I have in my back pocket for how to get you data. Same way with a kid. It's just like, they're just saying something. You're just like, what do you mean by that? And to be <laughs> fair to kid, to four-year-olds, like they're not always going to be that rational. Like we're all irrational to some degree, but even adults are irrational. So if you can help work through the, wait a minute, what are you getting at? Mm-hmm. Why are you asking this? Like what, what is actually... What are you actually spinning on that drove mm-hmm. this question? Because this question is just a piece of it. And mm-hmm. I think that's fun. That's fun for kids, but it's also fun even as adults and projects to where you're just like, that's what you're getting at. That's why this matters to you. That's mm-hmm. why I'm going, dude, why are we talking about this for 45 minutes? And you're like, this is why it's so important for me. And all of a sudden we're best buddies again because I understand your pain. <laughs> and Sorry, yep. it was re- reflecting on a call today. Uh, <laughs> but, but it's the same way with my child. It's just you have those light bulb moments as, as parents where you go, I get it now. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what you were thinking about. And that, or like when they're learning to talk, I can't understand what you're saying. And then all of a sudden you hear the phrase in context. Mm-hmm. You're like, that's what they were saying. Anyways, yep. So yeah. I think, I think that ability to try to address that inquisitiveness of, of children is, is huge. Yeah. And there, it's very fulfilling to have a frustrated child who is keep, keeps on mm. asking the question with the same words and they keep going and they keep going. And then finally it clicks for you and you realize, oh, you're asking X and I, mm-hmm. I didn't get it. And now I do. And you, do, you can see the, the lights go on behind their eyes when they know that they're being understood yep. and they're being communicated with. And it's, it's very fulfilling to have that moment. And it, it takes a lot of effort. You miss it a lot as a parent. But when you get it and you can actually address their curiosity and really get to their concern, it's a very, it's a very fulfilling thing to do. I just thought about it now, not not even in prep for the podcast, but these questions can almost go the other way. Like, this does being, being a parent, a parent make, you, make better? you better at work? Because, <laughs> again, I mean, no one wants to be compared to a child, but human tendencies are human tendencies. And the difference between a child and an adult is you do mature. Like, you, you mm-hmm. rationalize. You can logically think through it. But at the end of the day, no one likes to be misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Like, as an adult, you might know not to ask the same questions the same way 20 times you how do i rephrase how do i change this up how do i process this differently but you still get a reaction from being understood like you still get satisfaction from being understood mm-hmm. um you still like to be recognized and like hey i'm talking with somebody on the same plane so a lot of what if you can do it for your child and you can see your child as a human being um, made in the image of god that you're trying to communicate with but then you can also apply that same image to your coworkers. Um, I think it makes a big difference. Not that you want to treat them like a child, but that, you know, there's a person here that's trying to say something that is obviously of value to them. I may disagree or prioritize it differently or not have the same opinion, but there's still someone on the other side of that, that I want to help have that light bulb go off for, or I want to be able to communicate with and have them be recognized for what they're thinking. Anyways, yeah, random tangent, uh, so, but well, I think it goes both ways. It, it totally does. So my wife was a preschool teacher for a while, and when she was, she would come home and tell stories about a kid snatched a toy and then whacked him over the head with it. And I would say, well, at work today, an executive snatched a software engineering team and then beat another manager over the head with it. So you know, there, there are it parallels. Is. You tell is. the executives, oh, you got to share your software teams nicely. That's, yeah. <laughs> there's a, yeah. There's a maybe a slightly diminutive of Parallel and there. again, you don't want to patronize, but it's just like we there are basic human yeah. tendencies. Tendencies. Yeah. And children just display them. Like a lot of times we say, like, you know, the innocence of a child, you know, and it's just like, 
one, I don't really believe child, children are that innocent. <laughs> but <laughs> what I think you're getting at is the simplicity or the straightforwardness of a child. Like mm-hmm. a child can be just as selfish as an adult. Like let's not fool ourselves. But there's a simplicity to the selfishness. I wanted mm-hmm. it. You know, yep. an adult will very rarely just come out and give the reasoning as I wanted it, but <laughs> that is a lot of what's behind it. And yeah. so, um, I think, I think children can also help us go the other way, um, because if we can learn to see it in a child and talk to it and mm-hmm. talk to our children, we can hopefully do the same for adults. Yep. And I, I think there, so there is certainly a patronizing angle to it, but there's also just a, uh, a, a genuine and sincere view of your care. coworkers. Yeah. And care and say, you know, I, I like my child is a tiny person who usually needs some help, and the help might be discipline. Um, and not, not that you discipline your coworkers, but coworkers yep. are are people who sometimes need help too. Boundaries. Yep, boundaries, yep. and they need some guidance and and some some level setting there. So yeah, it can it can go both ways, both in the patronizing and in the just I, I want to care about you genuinely, and yep. you can do that for both categories too. Yeah, I think it just again, I think it's the simplicity of children just make it plain because you can. You can parent from will, my willpower versus your willpower. And there's maybe contrary to popular belief, I think there's a place for that of like, just because you're told so, you know, dad's dad, mm-hmm. sorry, you were told so. But in general, you want a par- parent from a place from caring and teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can translate that to work and you care and, and wanting to coach or be coached by those around you, I think it makes sense. Yep. Does being, All right. do you want to do the next one? Okay. Well, I'm still curious for your no. I'm so curious where work doesn't help you. So I want to ask this one and have okay. you go first again. Go for it. Does it make you a better friend? Does your Absolutely work make you a better not. friend? Okay. I explain. You got to opine on Yeah. This. Okay. Okay. So I'll, I'll go on. Just to make sure I don't cut you off. <laughs> so, okay. So does work make me a better friend? I say no. And there, there are a bunch of reasons for that. Um, being a software engineer teaches you that your deepest, most abstract, most obsessive curiosities are useful and good, right? And so, and there's a level of like, you get encouraged for just spinning on this one bug for a long time and not thinking or talking about anything else. And friends don't work that way when, <laughs> when you're like, I really want to talk about every word of dialogue in this Star Trek episode and not change the subject until we've decomposed why the planet was named what it was. Like friends, friends usually are not <laughs> along for that ride, but work is right. And it's kind of the same obsessive compulsive, like nitpicky dynamic nature. And then there is, so there's, there's that kind of, kind of jokey tongue in cheek bit. But then also as a software engineer, you spend a lot of time not talking to people and focusing on, uh you well, like what's in front of you and like what like the code and the details and then when you do talk to people it's very often fact oriented where it's transactional it's you need to know how to fix this mm-hmm. thing so i'm going to send you back the command and then ignore you and it's really easy to slip into that mode in your personal life too and treat people as information transactions and that's just not a good, not a good way to make friends. And it's not nice to people. And it's really, it can really be damaging to like long-term relationships if you're not very cautious with that tendency to exchange information and just get it from people and then move on. And I, I realize Everything, other jobs have that too, but in a software engineer, yeah, go ahead. Everything becomes a mission or like, what's the end goal? What am I trying mm-hmm. to achieve? What am I trying to get to? And can I get there in the most efficient manner? Yeah. Okay. Yep. I can see that. I can see that. 
I think if we're going to go with the negative first as far as work and friends, I think one of two things happen for me when in a friend arena or like in a friend interaction, depending on how I've gone for the day. And it's one of two extremes. It's a pendulum swing from one side to the other. One, I don't kick out of work mode. And in work mode, I'm like as product manager, it doesn't mean I'm the one that should be talking all the time, but you, you are the decision maker. A lot of times you are the one that holds kind of the roadmap and what are we doing next? Why are we doing it? Um, like we talked about on our last podcast, I want to get better at doing this with questions, but to some degree, your opinions do matter and you are trying to lead things forward. I'd like to get better at leading with questions, not just stating opinions, but there's, there's this leadership aspect to it. And if you're a natural leader, some of that already comes out in your friendships. Um, like that, that's, that's normal, but you, you tend to just jump into that role with your friends instead of seeing it as an equal playing field. Um, and even at work, there's, even if someone's your colleague and you're not, there's still a leadership aspect of it that's placed on you in the product management role, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and so even when you're seeing your friends as equal, you can still see yourself as the lead. And that's just not always the other pendulum though, that, that, um, that I probably should have saved for the next question we get to about, I'll put it here with friends is you're in decision fatigue. Like you're so done making decisions all the day. You're so done thinking through problems and trying to solve them. You're just like, I don't freaking care what we have for supper tonight. Don't ask me what we have for supper tonight. I don't want to make one more decision today. I don't want to analyze one more if or that, if this or that thing. I just, I'm just done. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I think I went from, it was almost intentional. I think I've swung it too far, but I went from the high schooler that was always planning, always leading, always texting. Hey, when are we going to hang out? Hey, when are we going to do this? Hey, when are we going to do that? And now I'm just like, dude, you tell me. What? Like I, I unplugged that far and that's probably too far, but you get to decision fatigue and you're just, when your personal relationships are outside of work, you kind of just want to coast along the ride. So it's kind of a two opposing dynamics, but you flip from one or the other. Either you, you just go straight work mode or you just shut off from work mode and it impacts how you relate with your friends. So I, I can definitely see a negative impact mm -hmm. to that um, for sure. Yeah. There is one positive for the friend, which is so as a like I said, as a as a software engineer, you're encouraged to be deeply interested in terribly esoteric things. But and that's not a great way to meet people, but when you can include some humility and accept that y other people are probably not going to be that curious about what you do, but you can apply the same curiosity to them and their personality and their hobbies and their friendships and ask them questions about themselves using that same kind of I would love to understand where you're coming from perspective that can actually be a great like way to get to meet somebody and and just start to get to know them a little bit so there's a there is a positive in there too but I yep. think overall it's mostly countering stuff that you learn at work so that you can function in the real social world <laughs> yeah and see I still think there's tremendous help and, and this is where I said that I was gonna be a broken record on this podcast but there, there's still the repetitions like when you're talking with your friends and there's a disagreement, when you're um, trying to figure out what happens when plans don't go according to plan, like when you got to make a quick decision and a quick change, like you've had so much practice doing that in your professional career that you can more easily adapt to that situation. So um, it doesn't necessarily mean your friends are going to be right there because if, if they haven't had those reps, like maybe they're not going to calm down as fast as you or go exactly through um, those other processes that we go through at work. But, I still think it enables you to, I, I guess, sorry, let me try to be clear. I always think of conflict resolution. Mm -hmm. um, I just feel like 
our job in software development and our careers in software development, we run into conflict resolution every day to some degree. And even if you only count the major ones where you have to set up a call and debate or work through a option A or option B, that's still probably happening at least on a monthly, mm-hmm. if not weekly basis. Like that's, that's so frequent. And I just feel like those reps on knowing how to talk both sides, state the problems, state what we're trying to solve, state why this was thought, state what that's thought, give concessions where somebody else has a fair point and why I agree, but I'm still thinking this way. Like just that rep, being mm-hmm. able to do that with your friends when you're trying to work through a disagreement with friends, I still think is hugely valuable. So um, that's always the one that I come back to, but I don't think it's just conflict resolution. I think it is making plans. I think it is defining problems. I think it is um, conflict resolution. Like there's all these things, uh, just those reps that we get in those situations we get put into. I think there's a lot of careers out there that you just don't. I remember a story from my wife. She worked in a clinic, um, a chiropractic clinic before, um, before we had Nalani. And, you know, they would talk about a conflict, you know, rarely. Like, it was hmm. a pretty good clinic. It's a good culture. But it was just like when conflict came up, it was like, oh, my gosh, conflict. I'm just like, wow. Like, okay, let, let me let me, <laughs> let me talk to you. And again, it sounds patronizing. I got to be careful. I don't want to be patronizing. But it was just, it was something that you and I would have been like, okay, what's option A? What's option B? What's the actual thing we're trying mm-hmm. to solve? Why are you thinking? Like, we just worked through it. And for them, it was just like, it it wasn't intentionally drama filled, but it just was because nobody was familiar with how to handle that situation. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same way with friends. Yeah. There's, there is a balance there of getting callous to it. And that yeah. is the other. Oh, thing. that's true. That's true. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. And I, I fall into that sometimes too, where I observe conflict in other parts of my life and I don't generate the right empathy off the bat. Oh, that's totally fair. I'm like, Good Oh, I can see the options and I can just offer them to you. Like they're obvious, right? And and they they probably are intellectually obvious to the person going through it, but there's some but there's emotion some that's in there too. And and some, yeah. yeah, it's just like am I yeah. a robot? Like I'm not feeling the <laughs> angst that they are. And I don't yeah. necessarily want to be that cold, but at the same time, I'm sitting here going, I don't want to give it this much emotional energy, mm-hmm. but yet you maybe should. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I can see that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's the, a it's a balancing act, as most things yeah. are. It is. It's not all one or the other, which is, I think, why it's good that I came in thinking about the positives and you were kind of like already leaning a little bit more negative. That's a horrible word, but like where are the ways that it it causes struggle? The struggle. One thing I want to one thing I want to put out there before we move on to the last one. Correlation, correlation versus causation. And this is what you get when I'm in my statistics class in my MBA program right now. But as I hear you talk through some of these, I go, how much is this is brian's career and how much of this is brian (laughs) and and don't get me wrong a lot of your personality defaults you towards an engineering career so let's let's give let's let's acknowledge that but i i do think some of this is personality based as much as it is career based but personalities lead to certain careers so i just it was an interesting thought that tickled me as as yeah yeah there's there is certainly a level of when i so I had plenty of friends in high school, right? But I I didn't always fit in, let's say. And then I got to college and I was other, around other people bound for engineering and I thought to myself, my I have found my people. <laughs> like they they get me. Um and I and like I I fit in and I'm kind of cool here. So yeah, there there is certainly a level of of uh I gravitated towards an area that appreciated 
my inane personality quirks. And I don't think that's all bad, but I, no, it is good not. to be aware of it when you cross back out of that weird bubble and back into the real world, which is, is actually a great segue into the last one. Uh, oh, you sorry. Like, uh, okay. You ask. Does does it, does what you do for work make you better at parties? Oh, uh, yes. No, I don't know. It's probably both again. I don't know. I feel like I'm a boring person, anyways. Uh, <laughs> I, as evidenced on this podcast, I can opine on random things for for quite some time. So maybe another one of those ones where your personality matches your career and my, my profession sets me up for random uh, ramblings at parties. <laughs> so I so I have a, a, a basically the same answer. It depends on the party. It very oh, much depends on the party. Are we going so... to Star Trek convention or are we going to in-laws dinner? <laughs> so, hey, those are those are the two examples I was going to reach for. So so, so at in-laws dinner. um it does not be what I do for work is terrible for a party, right? Where it's uh, well, and actually, my in-laws have other engineers in the group, so so that's maybe not like if you think of the stereotypical in-laws dinner, like dinner party, <laughs> then no, definitely not, because what you do for work, what I do for work, is the the best conversation ender that you could possibly imagine. So people <laughs> like, like it's you. So people ask, what do you do for work? And you say software engineer, they go, Oh, <laughs> like there's no follow-up because they just don't have a, or at least if no you don't work in technology, you just yep. don't have anything to relate to. And it especially doesn't help when you're standing next to your wonderful wife who says, I'm a preschool teacher and everybody loves their preschool teacher. So at uh, I'll say at normal parties, no, at Star Trek conventions, <laughs> it does absolutely make you a much better at parties. Um, and there's there's something to be said for being a cool nerd, where you know it's it's all about context, right? And it's all about your surroundings. Where if you're around people who think nerdy things are not cool or think other things are cool, then you're going to be less cool to them. But if you're around people who are very impressed by detailed knowledge of Stargate, you know, SG-1, Stargate, episode three, Star Trek, <laughs> Star Wars. right? Yeah. All, like star, all of the stars. Um, then yeah, it makes you very cool. And there's, there's also a level of um, nerd cred that comes from saying that you work at a big company, from yep. saying that you've been a senior engineer for a while. There's yep. some name recognition there. And there's some, you know, some, some knowledge that you've done weighty things and you've like moved code in the right direction so so yeah at the at the right party not just the goofy nerdy things that i have in my hobbies but also what i've done for work can make me very cool depending on the yeah. audience and for mine like i i really enjoy the scope of the product role like the role itself appeals to me in a lot of ways um but if I were to be talking about party, I wouldn't be talking about a product. I'd be talking about what products am I working on currently. So, yeah. you know, I'm currently working at a travel platform. And then, then like, oh, let's talk about travel. And like, okay, great. Like, and that's a big part of what I do. But now we're not talking about, like, necessarily the roles and responsibility in my job. We're just talking about the current places that I am applying. But So, yeah, I think my job can lend itself to um two good conversation starters i love talking about my job i mean hence we're doing a podcast on our careers and our jobs um but yeah i think it depends i think i think it depends so you're you glossed over a thing that is amazing to me and i don't think you understand how cool that is to be able to 
to get a question, reframe the answer. So what do you do for work? Oh, I'm a product owner on travel. And then you're talking about travel. I don't think you understand how impressive it is. <laughs> because like as an engineer, somebody asks you what you do and what you want to say is, oh, I write Kotlin. And I do that because Kotlin has null safety protection that Java doesn't. And it's, it's like, it's, so it's like, I don't care. Like, what I don't are you care doing? at all. Yeah. Yeah. So I, like you, you glossed over that ability to segue into something that people can relate to. And the, the bit that I get stuck on is what about what I do every day, all day, would anyone else relate to? <laughs> like, what's the next hop? So you, you glossed over that, but that's a very impressive ability to, uh, to some of us engineers. Oh, I think it's out of survival because again, I, I really enjoy, like, I would love to nerd out about product one, because I just want to learn more about it. Like I'm in, I hate to say this, but I feel like I'm an average product owner or product or product manager, however you want to label it. Um, there is so much I could learn because the role of product is so diverse. Like I could learn more about user interviews and, and reaching out and getting feedback from clients and users. I could learn more about product marketing. How do we actually get adoption of our product? Like I am very specialized in product delivery and in products, um, you know, getting a product built and defined and what are we going to go do? Um, but there's vast pieces of product that I'm still learning that other products folks are stronger at. Um, so like I said, I would love to have a conversation about that. But that's where the conversation would die in a party. Mm -hmm. uh, but if I can go like, hey, here's a cool new feature I built on our website this last time. Here, let's pull up our apps and look at it. Like now I have a segue into what we built, why we built it, and the industry that I'm in. So mm -hmm. I think it's, it's yeah, it's that. It's that yep. bait and switch topic. So, <laughs> but no, yep. I love talking about what I do. I, I really enjoy uh, product space and just the endless possibilities in products. Yeah, and I and I love talking about you love talking about engineering. engineering and all of the depth that's there, and whether you use Kotlin or Java and optionals versus nulls and and tabs versus spaces <laughs> and all of that. Like, and that's that's kind of the other thing is if you're with the right people, those topics are deeply engaging, and yeah. so like having an opinion and some expertise and some curiosity about where somebody else is coming from, not you know not just ramming your own opinion at them, um, is really like a a thing that engineers kind of crave is is that social interaction that's yep. in a friendly sense but about something they care about that they are deeply passionate about um and that is hard mm -hmm. for them because they are very specialized in what they do um but i think it's something that's made you very good at what you do um because i have a curiosity not necessarily to the example you give about kotlin but i love box level engineering i love mm -hmm. system level engineering and so when i can come and go when we're working at the same place. And even since when I've tried to figure something out, it's like, Brian, why does this have to operate this way? Like walk me through SSO OAuth and explain to me this token exchange and all, why are there five systems involved in stinking SSO and how does it actually make it more secure? Like, I love being able to have those conversations with somebody that's able to back it up, back it up a level and, and help someone who's not a developer understand those, mm -hmm. those relationships and that, and that process and that logic. So the logic of engineering is deeply fascinating to me, but for engineers who are highly specialized, being able to debate the nuances of, of languages and syntax and, and why you took this approach instead of that approach, I think it's, it's, it's fun to sit back and watch until it takes 45 minutes of a meeting and I have four more tickets. To get <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's valid. That, that curiosity though, would, would also make you a very cool person at a nerdy party. Cause like, you know, a person 
like from the outside world who's even a little bit impressed by all of the the nerdy detail and the the deep esoteric engineering stuff is uh is a a real treat <laughs> for engineers who who yeah. don't always get to to show off a little bit to somebody who would think it's impressive. So any other thoughts any other places where you found work has drastically impacted life outside of work? Or is it kind of those spaces? I know we 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 maybe skipped the spouse one for good reason. Sometimes spouses can get a little bit touchy, but we friends <laughs> friends are pretty close to how how it impacts spouses, parents, parties. Any other work has drastically impacted how I do X outside of work? I'll I'll, I'll accept spouses actually, because that's one where I think what I do for work actually does make me a better spouse. Partly, and it, so there's there's a lot of content there, but partly because um, I get a lot of energy from what I do. So when I come off at the okay. end of the day, I'm like, I'm I am jazzed, <laughs> and and it's it's good for a couple of reasons. Like one, I I get off work and I'm like I'm pretty engaged and I'm ready to to do other stuff. Not every day, but most of the time. And uh, then also we have we have a four year old like we were talking about, and having a high energy spouse come into the like the family room when. My wife has been entertaining and managing and guiding and directing and parenting all day and have somebody else be like, I am, I am down. Let's debate the merits of an Elsa dress and a bell dress um, is a, is a nice, nice switch for that. So I, I think it actually does make me a better spouse for those reasons and probably not for my whole career. Like there have probably been jobs that did not make me a better spouse in that way. But I think for the last probably five to six, I would say that it has. Maybe four. <laughs> I think spouse is maybe again. It's it's always both, and that's kind of where I guess we're landing on this podcast. Is it's, it's all positive and, and challenging things, but I think your wife in a healthy relationship it, it is often who you're most comfortable around, you know, <laughs> and who you're most familiar with. Um, and so I have a great relationship with my wife. I love my wife dearly, um, and she's awesome. But that familiarity and comfort um, makes it means it's very easy to treat her like a work colleague or to treat mm. her like a work problem. You just slip into the patterns that you've established at work and you don't realize that you're talking with the love of your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think sometimes that comfort with my spouse um, is makes it almost easier to slip into work. Mode. So with friends, like, unfortunately, that's, that's a rare enough occasion nowadays when I get a night out with friends like that. I can kind of go in and make sure I'm in the right headspace and, and maybe even prep. You know, that seems weird, but like, just make sure like, Hey, these are my friends. I want to go enjoy it. I haven't been able to hang out with them for for two or three weeks. Like, um, I want to value this time. But like when you're just getting off work and you're just, just talking to your wife every day, like it's really easy just to slip into the patterns of work or have the patterns of work carry over versus the compartmentalizing that I think you're wonderful at, um, of work is done. Now Mm -hmm. let me go engage in dad mode and, and, and husband mode. So, um, but the broken record piece is is the repetitions. I think there is ability in just knowing, being put in situations where you have to be able to handle conflict, handle conversations, handle complex ideas, handle vacation planning. <laughs> like <laughs> you know, it, it it there's a lot of things that I think we get reps on that, that are still helpful for the spouse relationship. So I'll, I'll... I obviously have a theme tonight, and the theme is repetition. <laughs> the, yeah, the repetitions that work gives us, but. I, I think that's the main thing I attribute to my job. It kind of in, in, in uh, summary is just our job puts us in so many situations repeatedly that we get to get better at them. And I think we yeah. can take those better, those 
better skills or those more mindful approaches outside of work. So I'll, I'll steal one of your earlier themes then, because I think the, like my relationship with my wife, I, I think work does make me a better spouse, but I think also my relationship with my wife makes me a better employee because of that need to be engaged. And so, you know, if you've been married for any amount of time, you know that if you stop paying attention, that's like, that's a major problem. Yeah. But when you're doing it well, you're engaged a lot of the time, not all the time, but a lot of yeah, the time you're actively you're paying attention and it's active and yep. it's, it's like proactive. Right. And those same tendencies make you a really good employee where you don't just shut down and quit paying attention, but you, you know, you, you come to the table and you come to the workday ready to be present. And I think yep. that dynamic really helps. Um, so I, I think we're wrapping up, but I'll, I'll point out one other truly funny thing that you just said, where oh. you were like, you know, prepped for hanging out with people. Like it's such a funny thing that nobody would ever do it. And <laughs> nearly every engineer preps for hanging out with people. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love it. That's why we got the engineering and the product side on. This yeah, podcast. So yeah. This is why our friendship has worked for 30 years, yep. as you had to so kindly point yeah, out at the yeah, beginning yeah, of this yeah. podcast. We're getting old. Yeah, oh. yeah. Prep like plan out the questions you're gonna ask. Practice laughing. You know, <laughs> oh my stuff, word, stuff that stuff that you need to do before now. you hang out with people. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Any any awesome. other thoughts? Does make does what you do for work make you a better person? Would I you say yes? Does. Okay. I yeah, think it does. Here. I and again, it's not always just direct correlation. And I think there is a lot of personality that goes into who you are outside of work, who's who you carry into work, is who then you shape yourself back into outside of work. Like it's kind of a little bit of a circle commotion but i i really think i can attribute my our career field with growth um and, and areas i've seen growth in my life so i'm i'm eternally thankful and grateful for the career field i'm in even if i end up switching someday even if i try something completely different i have learned so much from this this career that it's definitely shaped who i am as a person yeah same here i'll say i was i think i was 50 50 positive and negative but i think overall <laughs> What I do for work does make me a better person and give me, uh, and I'll, I'll steal your theme, give me more repetitions at conflict management and conflict resolution and communication that wouldn't be there if I hadn't picked what I do. So yeah, I think it does. Awesome. Awesome. Until next time. This has been Learnings from the Middle. Thanks for listening.